0: What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, host of The Not Boring Tech Writer. And welcome to the first episode of the podcast since December 2016, which is crazy. After leaving the technical writing world in spring 2016 to open up a beautiful little corner store in my neighborhood of downtown Denton, I'm back bringing the podcast back and so excited to be chatting with technical writers wonderful, smart folk who want to share the skill that they believe you need to break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill? Surviving in the dev world. We all know that successful technical writers are more than just writers. They're designers, they're knowledge managers, they're support. However, for technical writers in the dev world, they're expected to gain new skills, particularly understanding and writing programming languages. That's a challenging next step for technical writers, and understandably so. We can create docs, but introducing programming languages can make technical writers wonder what it really takes to survive in the dev world. In this episode, I chat with Mahal and Pavel, technical writers at Guideware Software in Krakow, Poland, about how you can survive in the dev world, including the technical writer's role in a development company, how technical writers can gain trust and respect from developers and how technical writers can start learning program languages today. And before we get started, I'd love to give a shout out to Mary Beth and the team at Knowledge Owl, which is a wonderful knowledge-based software. Without her encouragement and support, we would have never brought this podcast back. So big shout out to them. They're going to be a partner with us throughout the podcast. And thank you all so much for listening, and enjoy the podcast. Michal and Pavel, how are you all doing today?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having us.
0: Good, thanks. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. Life's good?
2: Yeah, everything is going pretty well, work-wise, Very family-wise.
1: Good. I can't complain. <laughs> good. We had a beautiful summer. Yeah, we had a beautiful summer in Poland and we're moving into a beautiful fall. We're, you know, uh, we're not really typical
2: Polish people here because we should complain about something, but (laughs) I don't really have anything specific to complain about, so I would say we're pretty original for Polish people.
1: (laughs) Also, I guess the subject of the podcast is formulated kind of as a complaint, surviving in the dev world means like, it's hard to survive. (laughs) I mean, it it sounds like we're... Uh, We'll see how it goes. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm glad for the time being, there's no complaints. Things are good here in Denton, Texas. It's a a rainy Saturday morning, so it's a good day for me to stay inside, drink coffee, and knock out a podcast with y'all. And it's a really exciting episode as well, because as you guys know, this is the the first episode since December 2016. So I'm overjoyed to have y'all here and have y'all participate in the Resurgence of the podcasts. We're gonna start having more tech writers on, and so we can keep giving giving folks skills to break that stereotype that tech writing is a boring career. And the skill we're talking today is surviving in the dev world. And I know as I as I say that phrase, there's probably a lot of listeners nodding their heads or feeling a sense of familiarity because this is a concept that is I'll use the word infected our discipline lately. Tech writers feeling like they have to battle and grind in the dev industry just to add a little bit of value or to feel valued by their employer. So, Michal and Pavel, I'd like to start off for maybe the new tech writers or the tech writers who aren't working with main developers. Let's talk about what are tech writers doing in software companies? What skills do tech writers have? For which they were hired by their employer in the first place.
2: Um, maybe I'll go first. Uh, it's always a hard question to, to uh, you know, to define what tech writers really do. It's like uh, for me, on a very high level, you your job is to deliver docs. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is on a very high level because. It, Docs may mean many different things, and you may deliver them in many different ways. So it's not like it's one definition for uh, for each tech writer, and it's really hard to define it this way. Um, what skills? Um, I think that our main skill is uh, the 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 ability the ability to combine. Different technical skills and different soft skills and language skills. So like like hybrid. And I think this is the the most important thing when you are a tech writer that you are able to combine skills from different areas. This is this is in my opinion.
1: Uh, Michal, you put it very well. I think the only thing I could add is, uh, and at the same time, I think it's the skill that helps us survive is the um, um, being able to understand the broader context in two ways right so uh, at software companies we often work on huge software a lot of uh, a huge system which has a lot of components and nobody who works on those components really knows all of them right so somebody's uh, working on the back end somebody's working on the database someone's working on the front end right and they nobody has the full picture um in terms of technology and then the full picture in terms of um, understanding both the customer and the support team, and you know all of those different, different, different things. So um, the, the the product owner or the pro or the product manager would be one person who needs to understand a lot um, of those you know business aspects and customer aspects. But a technical writer, I guess, has to understand those customer aspects as well as the technological aspects. So to put it more simply um a developer from any of the teams that are working on the huge software project can come to the technical writer and ask them a question which is outside of their immediate environment right so the tech writer would know you know like why did we choose this database would know how is the customer going to use this functionality would know how does the customer install it do they use you know like the so i guess um having very um Broad knowledge of what's happening is one of the, the like the is, is the one of the most highly valued things that a tech writer can bring.
0: Absolutely, acting as knowledge managers. So, for the topic of the podcast, what changed, Mahal and Pavel? When did the tech writers start to feel like they weren't valued? When did they start to feel like I have to battle to be able to survive in this industry? What changed?
2: To be honest,
0: I don't I, I'm not sure
2: when it happened and you know I, I, I've been working as a tech writer for the last six plus years and I don't know how it was before because since since I started it has been always like that to some extent you know it also depends on, on 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 a company that you're working for but basically I think it may have been the same way for all this time so maybe it's you know it's a thing for the last 50 years 60 years I don't know it's hard to say but um, one thing is it's, it's, it's sure that um, I've heard many, many times uh, my fellow tech writers complaining about being, you know, at the end of the food chain and not being able to get the information that they need. You know, many different things that they they were complaining about about, you know, working with developers uh, that nobody understands what they do, etc., etc., etc. You know, so to many, many different problems. Um, but as I said, it's it's hard for me to say when it's changed. Maybe it's been like this this whole time um
1: i'm i i am a newcomer to the profession as well i've only been working here uh 10 years you know and i think i've also always heard people complain about the same things smes not giving them information etc i think what what has changed over the long term is probably how fast software um is developed and how fast it changes And another thing that has changed is the customers have feedback now. So, you know, uh, software developers as well uh, find themselves in a different world than they did 30 uh, years ago. You know, when uh, those huge IBM mainframes were uh, were the most popular form of software. You know, all of those big systems that somebody wrote for years and then handed over and people use them for... Uh, A couple dozen years, right? So that no, this no longer happens. Everybody's more pressed for time to develop the code and to hand it over. Um, And I guess you know the tech writer who used to type away on uh, on their typewriter. Now they have to integrate with um, agile builds um, every couple of weeks. Um, They have to be they have to be quicker, uh, and nobody has the time to explain everything to them.
0: And, Pavel, I appreciate you commenting on uh, how quickly software is coming out and how fast companies are putting out new releases. Because I think that definitely plays a role to the tech writer feeling like he or she has to battle to survive in this industry. Because oftentimes, perhaps the writer is the last group to get access to the information. Usually, the developer gets it first as they start to work on this new project. And the result is, I feel like the tech writer is feeling insulted and discouraged. So we say things like coders code and writers write. And I think about Neil Kaplan. He likes to talk about this topic a lot. He's a technical writer over at Splunk. And that that is pervasive to the work that we're doing and is creating a bridge between the tech writer and the developer. We feel like we have to say... We're here because developers don't know how to write documentation. That's why the tech writer's here. And I would love to hear both Pavel's and Michal's thoughts on how do we change this conversation? We need to be able to bridge this gap between the developer and the writer for us to all meet the mutual goal of creating a better product. How do we start to change this conversation? And from our conversation before, I understand you all have a a controversial take, um
2: well for me um uh, because we already mentioned that that um uh, we like to complain about different different things uh, like working with developers um is one of them but um but we need to look at many different things here it's not like they're bad people and they don't like us and they don't really care what we do i think it's it's also uh, our responsibility to to change change the you know how it works uh, for us because um, let it. You know we should ask ourselves a question in my opinion at least that um have we really taken time to understand what other people do because we are expecting others like developers product managers um business analysts you know different people to understand what we do um but have we really taken time to to explore what other people really do like i mean not like superficially so for example i know that product manager manages a product right or developers they code but uh, do we really um, talk to our developers with whom we work on a daily basis what tools they use, how they work, um, what frameworks they use, you know, what problems they have, you know, anything like that. So um, I think we should start here to understand the environment we're working in to, you know, to, to be able to expect people to understand what we do. And I think this is the first step we can take to change the conversation around you know relationship between devs and tech writers.
0: And I imagine it's not a heavy lift, Mahal. Is that correct? Could it be as simple as just going over to the developer and saying, hey, like, let's sit down for lunch together today. Let's step out for a cup of coffee real quick. Is it that simple to start bridging that gap and having that empathy for the developer and what he or she does in the organization?
2: I think it really depends on, on people because some people may be comfortable with having a chat with someone they don't know or, you know, they, they know, you know, only because they work together, um, some people may not like it. But what I meant mostly was, for example, I joined a project um, some time ago. It was like a few months ago. So I started with um, looking into tools that developers used um, their their coding environment and thinking how I can plug in my workflow into this, you know, into their workflow. So to be, you know, to understand their their perspective and make their lives easier so I started there and you know after a few months it's working pretty well and they understand what I do because I'm present in their environment like I plugged into it I also change things in their repo I you know I do stuff that sometimes wouldn't be really expected from a tech writer in a traditional you know uh, perspective so um, I think I would start here having a coffee of course (laughs) you know, <laughs> uh, but I don't know if it's ever at the very beginning it would work. So you know, you need to gain their trust first, I guess, and then you can just you know start with other stuff.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think um, we need to do more than gain their trust. I think we need to earn their respect. Um, and let me explain real quick what I mean, because I um, I feel that um, a lot of uh, developer groups. Operate kind of like I imagine Vikings used to operate. Uh, someone is the, like one of them is the greatest warrior who can boast the most, and they respect him, and then he, he becomes the technical lead or the guru, and everybody has to prove them, prove their prowess in battle. And the battle battle is just in the computer, right? They're coding lines of uh, database access queries, etc. Um, but I guess you know, like if somebody is very uh, non-technical, as they would put it. Uh, or doesn't understand code, doesn't, un- doesn't understand technology, they will not respect that person as much. Because I've, I've seen this in a, a large number of teams, and I'm sure, uh, Jacob, Michal, you've come across this as well. Um, you know, for example, if the, if the PM or the Scrum Master doesn't understand what the developers are talking about, um, doesn't know when to uh, keep quiet because this is a vital moment in the conversation, you know if 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 you show that you don't understand developers will ignore you um and you know um i guess it's not just software developers it would be the same with any professional group but i guess software developers um are often under so much stress they don't uh, spend much time uh working on their social cues uh, on the social side of the of the conversation so they'll just bluntly you know just bluntly ignore you or just bluntly tell you to shut, shut to shut up right um gaining their respect is one thing, but proving valuable to them is another. Um, and I guess if you prove valuable, you can gain their respect, right? Uh, but proving, but if you prove valuable, they, uh, um, th- I guess this is where the controversial aspect of what Michal and I believe comes in. Because I think as a technical writer, we, you no longer you can no longer just write. You have to code a little bit. You have to at least read the code, right? Because um, uh, Michal was saying um, uh, some time ago, uh, why do we ask people for information? Why why do we, uh, why why not look it up in the code, right? uh, and that's you know, it's reasonable, right? If we ask people, and Michal was saying again, Michal, I'm stealing your best quote, but <laughs> if we, uh, Damn. because you said because you said if um, if we ask somebody to look it up in the documentation, they will tell us to look it up in the code, right? Um, um, so I've I've been working with a team recently where they asked me to set up a, a site for their uh, documentation uh, because um, uh, the internal Documentation follows a different setup than the um, customer documentation. We have processes for the customer documentation, but internal docs are more kind of, you know, everybody does their own thing. Um, and uh, I was able to pick up the standard um, front-end that the, uh, the DevOps team uses, and I was able to set up a website using that front-end, set up a server and everything. And um, I, I could see that this really helped, you know, because it, it kind of, removed one task that uh, my team would have to do if I weren't there. So as a technical writer, I added some benefit to the internal workings of the team, not just the customer, but also the the team on site.
0: And I appreciate y'all starting this conversation off with trust, gaining the trust of the developer. And as you guys mentioned, a huge part of that is shared language. I mean, understanding the types of problems that they're facing And then simply approaching he or she and saying, hey, how can I help make your job easier? So if their response is, it would be helpful if you could just go straight to the code to find the answer to a problem. For the tech writer who, that's a new concept to them, they haven't really dove into code before and looked at it as a developer does. How do you get started? How do you make that shift from changing, always going to the SME to go into the code first and seeing if you can find an answer for yourself? Uh,
2: I, I First of all, it won't be easy, for sure. If you haven't touched programming languages before, is it's not going to be like you're going to pick it up in two days. But you can build, um, I think, basic understanding pretty well. You've got so many educational, educational resources available now on the web that you can use, like even... Uh, I don't know, I don't want to mention any names, but I I think (laughs) I shouldn't do it, right? (laughs) But, you know, I'm looking at, at, at what I did some time ago. I wanted to, because, you know, I had some understanding of programming languages, but it was a bit superficial, like I knew how it worked, more or less, but I wanted to start you know, creating even simple scripts myself to make my life easier. For example, when I need to do something as a tech writer, I don't need to ask anybody to do it for me. I can just you know create a simple script that's gonna automate stuff, and I'm good because I don't have to rely on developers helping me with this with this th- with this thing. You know, so I decided to start learning Python. I chose Python because it's quite popular, and people claimed that it was pretty easy to pick up. You know, at least the basics, and it turned out that after a few months, I was able. I may I was able to create some scripts. Um, some of them less complicated, some of them more complicated. But at this stage, I, I'm able to solve my own problems without asking people for help, like developers taking their time and waiting for them to do stuff for me. Like, for example, I had an idea. Let's generate. Um, some descriptions from the code that you create, instead of copying and pasting into the docs, and and they told me straight away, can you do it yourself? Because otherwise, you're gonna wait. <laughs> you know, it's like it was like we can help you, but you can you can count that we're gonna do it for you because we don't we simply don't have time to do. it. It's not like we don't want to because we can see value in it, but it's not a high priority. You know, so I created a simple generator myself, um, and it kind of worked. So you know, it met my requirements and they didn't have to invest their time so it's not easy but if you want to do it i think you can quickly um change things um around and also what i want to mention as well is i saw that if you show them that you're at least trying it's not like you have to be an expert because it happens to me that sometimes i change I change small things in their code. Like, for example, I created some simple feature in their repo. It wasn't anything complicated. And it was, let's say, merged into the master branch and it was accepted by them. It wasn't flawless, but they saw that I wanted to do it and I was trying. And this way they you know, they know that I'm willing to learn and that I have some skills that they wouldn't even expect from a tag writer. So this is... First of all, to you know, to answer shortly, don't be afraid to try because this is this is the first step for me.
1: Yeah, but I would say stay humble. You know, like 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 you said, Michal. Yeah, your code is not going to be perfect, and you're not going to catch up with those guys because they've been doing this for years. Um. So you know, just you know, straight away, your like your uh, position is I'm a tech writer who tries to code. So you guys, go easy on me. Um, if you if you do it that way, you'll get a lot of help from them, um, and yeah, it's it's very hard to start, but I guess um, you know, uh, like Michal said, Python is very very easy to learn, very intuitive. So once you start reading the code, um, you, know, you will see that it's kind of like human language, you know. And then you can, as you get deeper into it, but but I guess you have to stay interested in it, like keep reading up, keep trying to develop your own. Your own little scripts or whatever, and um, find an area in your life—if it's not at work, maybe something in your private life. Find an area where you can code, because I guess, or where, where, where you have motivation to code something. You know, I don't know, code, uh, write yourself a uh, a plug into your um, digital video recorder so that it catches your uh, favorite shows or, or something. You know, like um, like try try doing that because. Um, because I, I, think these days everybody should code a little bit, you know, at least a little bit.
2: You know, um, I think that also, um, you are gonna gain one more thing apart from understanding the code and you know, and making your life easier as a tech writer. Um, you also um, will gain this perspective that developers have. So, for example, if you try to solve. Programming problems, you will end up, uh, you know, using the same resources, the same forums. You know, you will get into this environment, and you then will understand what problems they have and how you can help them to and be more valuable for them. So this is also, you know, switching the perspective is also very valuable here, and also, uh, you know, uh, about what you both Pavel says that. Guys, uh, you know, uh, don't be too harsh on me. Uh, You can always put it this way. Uh, If you won't be too hard on me um, when I try to code, I won't be too hard on you when you try to write docs. (laughs) Because it works both ways, right? So, you know... because we can always criticize them for using bad grammar for example or using bad english you know or not being too too consistent you know they they've got many uh, things that we can you know point out so uh we can do it this way you know of course it, it's a joke to some extent but you know it may work
0: <laughs> yeah we're all working towards the same goal just to create a better product and i appreciate y'all talking about Hey, we can start small, start with something that you're passionate about to start with code. I think about Write the Docs and how their founder, Eric Holscher, is always encouraging what he calls the documentarian to get involved in open source GitHub projects. So, Mihal and Pavel, if someone's passionate about an open source project, is this an opportunity for them to contribute um, for that in GitHub as well?
1: Hey, most definitely. I think um, something that's close to home for tech writers could be DITA, you know, um, because there's a lot of open source stuff around DITA. You could participate in the. Um, they're always looking for people to participate in creating the standard, but also there's uh, plugins online which you can help. You know, you you can you know maybe improve the the PDF plugin that everyone's using, and just share your share your uh, updates, and that would be very useful to you later on. As as a technical writer, wherever you go, if there's data involved, you can automate a lot of tasks, and really, you know, reduce the number of times you have to copy paste from wherever because you're just going to be figuring out these um these these new generators that'll help you do it. So that's that's one big project in my mind that it's worth uh, looking at. Uh, but uh, Michal, I, I know that you're more interested in those static site generators. Have you seen any projects worthwhile in that space? Mm-hmm.
2: There, there are thousands of static site generators, <laughs> so you, you can basically, I guess the, the you, you can find something for yourself, you know, um, literally there are thousands of, uh, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of, of those, you know, out there, so you can easily find the one that you like that supports your needs and you can contribute to it. But one thing that comes to my mind referring to DITA is um, you can also try to create some integrations with other systems because um, uh, Pavel and I, we've seen um, so many times that um, DITA will not integrate, let's say, with some dev environments and you would like to transfer, let's say, um, content from their codes into data and it's not that easy like there are missing you know plugins there are no straight integrations so if you create a script that's going to make it easier for people to let's say transfer a content from restructured text or i don't know markdown even to data like seamlessly, people are going to appreciate it for sure because this is going to build a bridge between the dev environment and the tech writer environment, so
1: there or are many options. to data, uh, there used to be a, a plugin. Oh
2: yeah, that's the one, That's, yeah.
1: that's a huge pain for, because it's, it's, um, it's very comfortable for people across the company to use Confluence or something like that to uh, contribute to docs, but then if you have a pipeline which involves data or some other generator, it would be great if you could grab that Confluence content and plug it in there. You know, so there's this old disused uh, Confluence data plugin that's that nobody's supporting anymore. Uh, if you feel you have the you have a, you you have use for it, why not try contributing to that?
0: And it's a low lift to empower the tech writer as they're taking on code, perhaps for the first time. And if they're not ready to approach the developer and start that conversation, I can't think of a better way just to mess with a project that you're interested in or that fills a void in your personal professional life. And once you get comfortable contributing to the code, have some great confidence as you approach the developer and be able to translate that skill into the workplace.
2: Sure. It's always an option, you know. As, as we said, there are many, many uh, solutions that you can use um, to, to start coding and to start contributing real value to other people.
0: Awesome. Well, Michal and Pavel, I appreciate you all so much joining me on the podcast. And I think the listeners should feel that, hey, I can survive in the dev world. It's not too challenging. Let's start off with building a relationship with the developers, thinking about that that shared language to bridge the gap. And then from there, if I'm understanding correctly, it's simple as just asking the question of, what can I do to make your job easier? And that sounds like it's diving into the code. And it might be overwhelming at first, especially if you're new to programming languages. But as you guys mentioned, start with a small pet project. Start with something in your personal life or an open source project that you enjoy. And then work your way up from there. Understand that's going to be an incremental progress
2: Yep um, well, I, maybe I can add one more thing because um, um, when it comes to coding, um, maybe we, we scared people a little bit because we started talking about all the serious you know stuff that you want to create, like integrations, plugins, scripts for automation, and etc. So it's not it doesn't have to be like that. So I think that even small changes that you can contribute to the code within your company, okay let's let's uh, let's forget about uh, all those GitHub projects and things like that. Let's go back to, to your work as a tech writer in a company. Um, when you're working with developers um, and they have a repo with their code you can start contributing uh, let's say by changing labels by changing command line help by changing things that are actually in the code but they are also to some extent documentation when we also for, we always you know we very often forget about those elements and they are really really helpful for the users like things that you get in your log messages, for example things that you get in your log files there many times they're badly written (laughs) and they're not very helpful and you can change those things by changing the code because those changes are pretty simple and devs believe me they don't have time to deal with this stuff so if you can take care of those elements they will appreciate it for sure because they will have to think about those things and also um, coding is one thing but you can also make their life easier by let's say creating some templates you can let's say um, you ask them for information, so to make their life easier, you can just create a simple template showing them what you expect to get back from them. Instead of saying, "Hey, create a Markdown file in the repo," that's it. <laughs> and what should I, and it basically you're gonna get one sentence or nothing or like uh, two sentences that don't tell you anything. Just create a simple structure, tell them what you need to what you need them to you know to provide you with, and you know simple things like that. So there, I think there are many many areas where you can. Uh, make yourself useful. To put it maybe in a bad way, but when you can prove your your value to the team, um, but not only typing those docs as people imagine. You know, you can be you can be something else as well.
1: Yeah, and and um, uh, stay uh, or become useful as a source of information to your team. Like I mentioned before, you should be the kind of per- you should be the person who uh, they can ask if they don't know. Just you know, just stay interested in what your company is doing, what other teams are developing what uh, talk to your sales salespeople and uh find out what they're selling currently like what what angles they are pursuing with the customers talk to your tech support what kind of problems they're solving you know just you know stay friends with them and they'll they'll complain about what customers have trouble with though this is going to be valuable information that you can use in meetings with uh with software developers and stay interested in uh your company strategy because that can also contribute to the conversation you know so um you know talking about for example switching to cloud technology which is something um a lot of companies are going through still you know um if you, if for example if you take the uh, AWS course um just uh, you know ask your ask, ask your boss for some uh money for an educational budget go through this AWS certification course and just be a be somebody who knows all the terms and terminology correct connected to the cloud and knows how it works um, that'll be a huge help to your developers and it'll make writing documentation easier and it'll make uh, your developers work easier when you can you know just feed them little pieces of information, little tips and then get yourself to a point where if you ask developers for help, you just come to them with one or two simple yes or no questions because you can figure out the rest on your own.
0: Beautiful. Well, Michal and Pavel, I appreciate y'all so much sharing your skill with us. If anyone wants to holler at you, learn more about what y'all are doing in life, wants to follow up and learn more about how they continue to survive in the dev world, where can people find you online?
2: Um, I think that the best way for people to find me would be on LinkedIn. So you can just um, look me up by Skovron and you should i should pop up <laughs> in the search results
1: yeah I, i'm pretty easy to find on linkedin and on twitter as well so should be should be fine and we can uh, probably add some contact links to the um, description yeah yeah
0: Perfect. And if they want to hear more about y'all's perspective on tech writing, you guys are working on a blog as well, correct?
2: Um, Actually, I'm contributing to a blog. um, uh, It's techwriter.pl, but, uh, you know, it's in Polish, so (laughs) it may be hard for people from the States. But If you know Polish, that's fine. But if, um, you know, if you don't Polish, that may be a problem. Yeah, but...
1: um, well, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm, uh, I, I don't have a blog or anything, but I sometimes speak at conferences, so if you ever see my name uh, at a conference where you're at, just you know, say hi and, and we can chat. Um, check out Soap conference in Krakow uh, yearly, because we're always there. Um, and Soap publishes a lot of uh, videos from the talks, so you can also watch those for free.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to include in the show notes, the uh, personal profiles for each of you and uh, the conferences that you mentioned, Pavel. And gentlemen, I appreciate you so much for sharing your skills and we will talk soon.
2: Thank you, Jacob. Um, let me just add one more thing at the end. Um, I'm really happy that the podcast is back, you know, because I, I listened to it some time ago and I was really disappointed that you, you discontinue it. So, um, And I'm very excited to be your first guest along with Pavel after after the break. so
0: It's awesome. I'm honored. And as the two of you continue to go about your professional lives and correspond with someone and think, hey, he or she would be a great guest for the Not Boring Tech Writer or for anyone listening to this podcast as well. I mean, we're in the early stages of really aggregating more guests. And no matter who you are, uh, first-time tech writer or someone who's in the business for a bit, you have value to add to this conversation. That's the beauty of this podcast. It's, uh, it's focused on skills that you can gain um, to improve your skill set and just beautiful, accessible content. So no matter who you are, holler at me and we'll keep this podcast going. Yeah, this guy doesn't joy.
2: bite, so <laughs> go ahead and,
0: co- <laughs> and contact Jacob. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending your Saturday with me and we will talk soon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and thank you to Knowledge Owl, knowledge-based software for powering the podcast. We had a great chat, and we'll talk soon. See ya.